Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Praise the Lord, Will. I'm so blessed that you're here tonight. Hallelujah. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, went to different places If when you read. He went to different places, you know, where he found Lydia, um, who had the business with purple. He found her at a place of prayer. And there were these places of prayer that were all over the area. And uh, that's where he found her. And, of course, then Lydia became a very influential contributor to the ministry of Paul. But Paul found her in the place of prayer. So Paul went to these places where people prayed. He knew that he would find people that would be praying. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to go places where you can find people praying? You know, Brother Hagen, I was reminded there as I was worshiping. You know, Brother Hagen said this, that it would come before Jesus would come in the last move of God. They would come to a place where it would be like a Y in the road. And there would be those that would follow after the move of the flesh. And there would be those that will follow hard after the move of the spirit. I believe we've, we're there, if we're not already past it, where people make decisions what they're going to do. I made a decision a long time ago. Whether I was going to be the loneliest person on the earth or not, I was going to follow God. Regardless of what that looked like, regardless who wanted to come with me, regardless who agreed with me, you know, at the end of the day, I have to step through those beautiful gates and stand before the Lord and give an account for what I chose, not what other people chose for me. Amen. And so we just, we just list you tonight to follow hard after God, to follow him and my prayer is that this is just not an experience of a moment, but, you know, you can sense the wound. This morning you could sense the wound. You can sense it, that the Lord's wanting us to draw closer. I believe there's reasons for that because of the days that we're living in. I honestly believe even personally that the Lord is calling me to greater periods of time alone with him because of the days that are coming. You say, how do we do that as ministers? Well, the Lord's going to give us the wisdom, and he's also given us the beautiful people to walk with us that's helping us so that I can fulfill what it is. Because the more God time I have, the better it is for the people. The people really, even though they think I'm an amazing person, they really don't want me in the flesh. Even though people want to hang out with me, you really don't. You know, I've learned over the years, an anointing makes you attractive. But then when you get to know the person in the familiar way, they cease to be attractive to you in the way they were. It's not that you're aloof from people, but even in your regular lives, your public life is very different than your private life. Your private life, you can lounge around, Pick off, pick your toes, do whatever you want to do. But in your public life, you really don't want to be doing that. In your, pri in your private life, you can lounge around in your shorts and, you know, shirtless and scratch. But you really don't want to be doing that in the public life. At, at home, you can go to the fridge and drink out of the, you know, the milk carton. But in public, you really don't want to be doing that. These are just little things to help you so that people will constantly think well of you and not think that you've just been hauled out of a barn somewhere in the back end of Georgia with what they thought was a strong anointing, but now they see you picking your toes and scratching. They don't see your anointing anymore. They... 
they just see that you're a bit of an animal. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, people just, you know, if I could just get close enough to you, if I could just get, and I, I, I've learned over the years, if I can get myself in a meeting, I don't, I don't need to be going to dinner with everybody. People at times, they, they look at me and say, oh, Paul, he just, you know, he just, nah, he might go, he might not go. But, you know, sometimes it's just better for people to go without me. You know, it makes a difference between my belly being full and your freedom. I'm going to take your freedom every day and get my foot belly full from my own fridge. God, it's moving. I want the move of the Spirit so bad. I'm not happy with the move of God being in conferences. I work tirelessly for the move of God to be in our local church. I work night and day for the presence of the Lord to show up in our services tirelessly. We have schedules just like you have. But you know what? That's just the bones. If God wants to show up at Psalm 3, then we let him show up. I don't work for the people. I work with the Spirit. And I bring what I am in a godly sense because my personality is no good to you. Even though it's fun, it's no good to you. So I know sometimes we're tempted if I, and it's America, you know, we want people to sign our t-shirts and we, we want, even in church world, you know, if I can just get in the green room. The carn will tell you. She'll, many times we've been invited back and she'll say to you, are we going back? And I say, no, we're not going back. I just want to go home. And people will look at me and they will say, Man, why would you not go back? Because I don't have it in my heart. I'm not looking at that. I, I, I don't want my bubble to burst. I don't want to know the minister as a man. Ah, oh, you're not hearing me. It's called protecting the anointing. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time with the disciples, but he didn't spend all the time with the disciples. And I don't think for one moment that Jesus ever dropped his guard. I believe that he kept it impeccably, beautifully in the spirit. Was able to correct when it was needed to be. Was able to love when it was needed. Was able for them to lie across his lap like John. I told you before, I mean, if, if I'd have been Jesus, I'd have been telling John to sit up straight. I mean, for goodness sake, you know, stop lying on me. John, you're sweating all over my knee. <laughs> this tunic was to do me for the next three days, and you're sweating on it, John, and your B.O. is not good. We, we don't look at it like that, right? You all okay? Yeah. I'm just different, right? I should come in and just give a message and let you all rate it. Give me a score out of 10. <laughs> but I'm just not like that because I, I don't see Jesus like that. I see Jesus come into areas and everything began to change and because what he carried. It just wasn't everything wasn't just hanging on the sermon. The anointing was on him. Not just on the sermon. So he went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the enemy. Not just the moment for the sermon. Hallelujah. Right? So, I'm learning. I hit 50 and 
you know what? The last couple of years, I've really learned a lot of things. And uh, I thank God that I'm learning. And I've more to learn than what I've ever been taught. In this church, you have a beautiful moment as you grow. To go koros miastamani. Where others were invited, but they didn't choose to go. You see, fear can stop us from progressing. What do people say? Well, people will say what they want because if people have not been where I have been, then they're not going to understand. Possibly. As many that love Jesus, there was as many didn't like him very much at all. But Jesus didn't stop and change his ways just because People didn't like him. You know, well, there's etiquettes of ministry, Pastor Paul. Well, go figure this one. Who was Paul sent out by? It tells us very clearly that Paul was sent out by none other than Jesus Christ. I know the best way is to be sent. But you know, there's an exception to every rule. If you walk with the Spirit. I mean, quiet just there because we're so used to systems and ways. Look at John the Baptist. How long was his ministry? Three, I don't know. It wasn't very long. Just a few years. If that. And yet, when it came for his ministry to be over, he just says, I decrease. You increase. He didn't try to fight and say, no, no, wait a minute. Jesus, you're not going to take from my ministry. Not one territorial bone in John's body. Just the plan of God burning. You get around territorial people, watch out, they carry a different spirit. It's dark. It's not of God. Because godly people are never territorial. Because they don't see little kingdoms, they see the kingdom of God. They see the great plan of the kingdom. You see, John bought into the plan Jesus walks into the water. The next thing, John's getting the job of baptizing Jesus. Wait a minute. You need to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not how it goes. You know the story. Come on, baptize me. In the moment, you see, up until this point, Jesus had no power. He wasn't anointed. <laughs> he was Jesus. But everything at this moment was about to change. This moment. How many people knows that every one of us has a moment? <laughs> oh, I pray in the name of Jesus that you get your moment. Because that moment, everything changes. You cease to be what you wear. And now you step into the fullness of who you are. And the heavens opened and the affirmation of the Father came and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus rose from the water and shook the water from his hair and walked out different to how he walked in. Still Jesus now he is endued with power from on high. The first thing amazes me. The first thing that Jesus gets to do with this power is to confront the enemy. Remember the first night? Gideon, the first thing he got to do 
was to confront the enemy. The first thing that Jesus gets to do in the power of the Spirit is to confront the enemy. Not time to adjust. Not time to get a few people around him. We like to do that, right? Well, we need people to help us carry our Bibles. We need somebody. But Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. No food, getting hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. And then the devil shows up. Well, you know what you like without food after a few hours. And the last thing you need when you're starving and you're hungry is the devil to show up. How many people understand what I'm talking about? Come on, how many people's ever had you had low sugar levels and you want to just bite the back out of the chair? You are so hungry, and the preacher still keeps going. Well, the devil shows up, and now we have not one temptation, we have consecutive temptations, which leads us to the thought from Matthew 4 is that Satan does not show up to hit you once. He shows up to hit you with consecutive blows to wear you down. The world calls it bad things come in threes. But as the church, we don't see that. Even the world has sense to know that bad things don't come singularly. They come with multiples. The church needs to wake up and know that Satan's not coming just to poke you. He's coming to take you out. His ultimate is to what? Steal, kill, but destroy. You can have a little stealing going on, a little killing going on, but his ultimate is destruction. He wants to destroy you. He never wants that anointing on your life to accomplish what it was placed on you to accomplish. That anointing that comes on you, yeah, I'm anointed to be part of the fivefold ministry, but that doesn't set me on a pedestal. That actually makes me a servant to the church so that I train and make the church equip it, edification, make the church what it's supposed to be. In actual fact, if Jesus is the servant of all, then his ministers must be the servant of all also. So our gift is a servitude to you. It comes to equip you, to help you, to bring out the godly traits and character and parts and gifts of you that have already been placed within you. That's what I am. But every one of us is a minister of reconciliation. When Jesus was Ascending on high, he gave out some words. And the word, one of the words that he said is that you receive my authority. The power of eternity, of turning. You do what it is that I have been doing. And he told them greater works than these. These things that you saw me do, greater works than these you will do. I'm ready to see those. I'll try this section over here. I'm ready to see those. Anybody in this section ready to see those? I know. I know. This, this, I'm going to preach over here. It's better over here. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, there's no life over here, praise the Lord. I mean, I'm going to stand and preach to the lively section. I mean, it's like. Y'all doing okay? He still hasn't read the Bible. I believe we're in great days. You have to come to a place, ladies and gentlemen, that you realize that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, that he has anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor so that you can lay hands 
on the sick with you. Not in the power of your might, but by his spirit. Jesus got it together very quickly with that anointing. He was full of the word. But now he stepped into days of the spirit. Selah. Days of walking in the power of the spirit. Days of walking in the power of the Spirit. Man, Pastor Paul, you're weird. You just, you're weird. No, I'm not weird. You know why sometimes I look weird? It's an unfortunate thing. It's a, it's a real travesty. Because if more people were like me, then I wouldn't look as weird. <laughs> if people would fall in Jesus like, and fall in love with Jesus like me, then I wouldn't look like such the weirdo. If people would fall in love with Jesus like Chris, then he wouldn't look like such the weirdo. It's the truth. Why do I have to be singled out for my love for Jesus? We should all be like this. I should be absorbed tonight in a place that loves Jesus exactly and more than what I do. Because when a fire really gets burning, you don't see the individual. It just becomes an inferno. Indiscriminate. Hallelujah. So my passion is to see the move of the Spirit in the local church. Always has been. I'm not satisfied. I want to come to a church where miracles are the order of the day. I want to come to a church where you can just hear the prayers like bees humming. You come to millennial, that's what you're going to hear. Like bees humming. What do bees make? Your name is like, but it's just a worship song, Pastor Paul. You want to come to church, and you want to have a hard time getting in here, because service hasn't even started, and miracles already taken place. That there's so many teams that pastors have had to raise up to deal with the people that need prayer. Oh, you see, we're so used to service starts at 10 with a countdown. Five minutes till the show. Oh, I'm not being disrespectful. It's good for us to have a time that we start, right? Especially in Georgia, right? It's good that we have a time, same as Oklahoma. What if, what if this blew into no one knew about Azusa Street until God Put it on the map. Nobody really knew about Pensacola until God put it on the map. It was Brother Hagen and and Brother Roberts. You know, if you sent in a check to Brother Roberts, you just put his name on the, the envelope and posted it. And it got to they were the people that put Tulsa on the map. Well, who's going to put Florida on the map? Who's going to, who's going to put, who's going to, well, there's been moves of God, Lakeland, all those different things, but praise the Lord, what about Live Oak? What about, what about Valdosta? Well, Valdosta, I mean, who's heard of Valdosta? Really, honestly, there's very few people out, out of this region probably knows that Valdosta exists. Except university people. 
But yet by the move of the Spirit, you can put Valdosta on the map. And it's not a it's not a conference. It's our local church. I, I'm very careful in, in, in the right sense to always say that at Millennium. This is our local church. Brother Copeland, two years ago, at the year of the local church, I said, finally, I feel vindicated. It's the year of the local church, but but I believe every year is the year of the local church. I, I take that. I receive that. <laughs> so you have a part to play in this. How many people want to see people healed and delivered? And, oh, but it's just church, Pastor. You, I mean, Spirit of God can't move like that all the time. Don't you think he wants to move like that all the time? What is revival? Let me read this to you. This is a phenomenal book. It's called Revival. It's by Brian H. Edwards. It's as old as the hells, but it's amazing. It's a people saturated with God. The church historian James Buchanan defined revival as the imparting of life to those who are dead and the imparting of health to those who are dying. But that does not take us far enough. Jonathan Edwards, who saw revival in his church, in his church, in his church, right? In America, 250 years ago, explained it as God's major means of extending his kingdom. And more recently, Edwin Orr defined these outpourings of the Spirit as a movement of the Holy Spirit bringing about a revival of New Testament Christianity in the church of Jesus Christ and its related community. One thing is clear. Almost as soon as you try to define the word revival, you find yourself describing what a revival is. This at least shows that revival is nothing theoretical. It is certainly not a theological idea for academics and historians to play with. Revival is intensely practical, and it always has catastrophic results for the church. Duncan Campbell, who was himself involved, remember the Hebrides, was involved in revival this century, described it simply as a community saturated with God. How many people would love to see Valdosta saturated? This is what happened in these moves of God. The churches were completely impacted. Churches were packed. The move of God in Ulster. In 1859, they literally had to stop people getting into the churches for fear that the balconies would collapse on top of the people and kill them during service. I'm ready for that again. And not just conferences. I'm ready for the local church to be packed and the surrounding region saturated with the presence of God. Come on, this is the reason that we exist. If you believe it, shout a big amen. Come on, I, I believe there's, there's more. If you believe there's more, shout amen. Come on, there's, there's more. There's more. I mean, even as a minister, if this is all I get to do, I'm bored. I'm disappointed. I want more. I want to I walk into church, and, and I'm just telling you the presence of the Lord just as thick as the clouds of glory in our local church. You say, but you're, you just, you know, you just, it's just expecting too much. No, um, I find a word in Scripture that says your expectation will never be cut off. So you can't expect high enough. I'm looking for somebody expecting in this room tonight to, something to happen that is life-changing, that you will never be the same again. And, and I don't know what happened to me, but I know that I must have got close enough to whatever it is that God was doing, that I am disquieted. I am dissatisfied. I don't know what's going on with me, but I know it's God. I, I'm just irritated and agitated and provoked. I'm telling you, it is God. It is the Spirit of the Lord moving in you, quickening you drawing you to himself. Why? Because he needs somebody that he can show himself strong in. My God, I, I don't want to be just another number that was just, you know, great preacher, great speaker, amazing. I mean, amazing anointing. I mean, my God, I mean, he can sing, he can dance, he can fly. I mean, I, I, but can he raise the dead? Let 
Let Duncan Campbell speak a little more on this. He is describing revival as he witnessed it in the Western Isles of Scotland between 1949 and 1952. In writing of the movement, I would like first to state what I mean by revival as witnessed in the Hebrides. I do not mean a time of religious entertainment. Isn't that amazing? This is way back then, and they're still talking about religious entertainment. With crowds gathering to enjoy an evening of gospel singing and the likes. I do not mean sensational or spectacular advertising. I do not mean high-pressure methods to get men to an inquiry room. In revival, every service is an inquiry room. The road and the hillside become sacred spots to many when the winds of God begin to blow. Revival is a going of God among us people and an awareness of God laying hold of the community. Here we see the difference between a successful campaign and a revival. In the former, we may see many brought to a saving knowledge of the truth and the church or mission experience a time of quickening. But so far as the town or the district is concerned, no real change is visible. The world goes on its way and the dance and the picture shows are still crowded. But in revival, the fear of God lays hold of a community, moving men and women uh, who until then had no concern for spiritual things to seek after God. I believe in the name of Jesus that we're coming into a time where we're going to start to see now across the mighty, right across the board, things begin to shift and change. I can feel the cogs beginning to, it shouldn't be this hard. How many people agree with me? It shouldn't, it shouldn't be this hard. Jesus went to bed, yeah. And then he came into places of unbelief and you know, not many miracles could be done there. Why? Because of familiarity. Jesus is just Jesus. But it's not just Jesus. It's just not Paul. Amen. It's just not Mark. It's just not Marcus. It's just not Shelley. It's an anointing. Amen. It's an anointing that wants to destroy yokes and remove burdens. Like everywhere you show up, remember the shadow of Peter. I mean, you can think, you know, that that obviously his territorial throw or, or his territorial jurisdiction of anointing began to expand beyond his physical mind. But also you have to understand is the expectation of the people had risen now to a place that it just wasn't now Peter carrying what he carried. The people were at a place now where they expected that what was on Peter was going to get on them. And so they started to push the sick into the streets. They started to push the sick into the streets. They started to place the the people in the streets so that as Peter would go by, amen, they expected that what was on Peter would get on their loved ones. I hope this is okay for you tonight. Charles Haddon Spurgeon experienced a continual revival in his church in London for many years in the middle of last century. And he was convinced that a true revival is to be looked for in the church of God. I believe that. In other words, revival begins with the church and spills over into the world. Those who look for revival just as a shortcut to get unbelieving masses into the church must think again. It always begins by getting Christians right first. And as we shall see, this can be quite painful. In December 1866, Spurgeon explained in his magazine, to be revived is a blessing which can only be enjoyed by those who have some degree of life. Those who have no spiritual life are not and cannot be in the strictest sense of the term subjects of a revival. A true revival is to be looked for only in the church of Jesus Christ. Preaching at the Keswick Convention in 1922, Douglas Brown, who was used in a revival for the year before, rightly maintained revival is a church word. Everybody say that with me. Revival is a church word. So therefore, all of our churches should be in a constant state of revival. And if you're falling back a little bit, there should be enough presence and workings of the Spirit among us that if your flame is growing low, you can hook up to another flame and begin to burn brightly again. 
you got to get with people that are on fire, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Not just with a group of people who believe the same. You got to get with people who are activated and mobilized, who want to pray at a drop of a hat. There's nothing I love more than getting with believers. Amen. Of a like heart and like mind. And I'm telling you, we can get her going from a dinner into a prayer meeting. But that's a weird night, Pastor Paul. Wise up, man. That's a weird night. It's not a weird night. You begin to see people start to rise and influence begins to and so there he is speaking in tongues again. Well, God is here. And anyone that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh to God. It would be rude not to speak to God. I'm trying, Pastor Mark. I'm really trying. Wow. Wow. His presence so cool You see us so Wow. His presence. Antique size. Evan Roberts made the same claim in Wales in 1904. I, you know what disappoints me about this? I always have to read about what happened. 1904, 1800s, the early 1900s. I don't want to be reading about it anymore. I want to see it now. There's nobody bringing revival to Valdosta, brother. You can line up all the revivalists. They're not bringing revival here, brother. Even Duncan Campbell said when he went to the Hebrides, when he was asked, Mr. Campbell, you brought revival to the Hebrides. And he says, nay, revival was here when I got here. No one is bringing, none of the big fancy speakers, you know, that we ever bring into our churches are, are bringing, bringing something. They're, they're bringing the gift. But I'll tell you, if you're looking for revival, revival is in your midst. Revival is in your heart. It is the hunger and the thirst for righteousness. He says that he would pour water upon the thirsty. Can I ask you a question? Are you thirsty? I know that I can anoint with oil tonight and we can see refreshings. But I'm telling you, what God is to you is in the inside of you right now. You can receive an impartation from me. Absolutely. But I tell you, God is working in the insides of you. And you have the power. Everybody say that I have the power to see my family change, my territory change, this region change. Amen. Why? Because it's influence. Everybody shout influence. It's influence. I haven't even started my message. Some of you are like, oh my God. This is these revival preachers, I'm telling you, they just, it's like cut. No, if you were in Rodney Hard Brown's meeting tonight, you'd be in here for four hours just to start with. We'd be letting you out at 11.15. You'd be thanking God that it's Paul Brady here and not Rodney Hard Brown. Evan Roberts says, my mission is first to the churches. You know, I used to tell people that, and I used to get so horribly persecuted. Pastor Paul, you need to be about the lost. I said, I am. He that wins souls is wise. But I said, my heart burns for the church. The church is in such a state, such a state of coldness, weakness, powerless, anemic. I said, don't shake me down when my passion is to see the church burn with the holy fires of God. Let me be a weapon in the hand of God like they've prayed before. Let me do something that can fire up the church, that can take the church to another place. I, I may not be the greatest teacher. Hey, how about it? Amen. But I'll tell you, I'm like a poker in a fire. I can take a few ashes that are still glowing and I can just say, come on, guys, let's throw another log on. Let's throw another bit of wood on. Let's get a bit of brush and put it on there and let's make ourselves a fire. Instead of sitting under the ashes of yesterday, why can't we make something that can really burn right before our eyes. And, and that's what I believe. Even reading this book tonight, it's like sitting around the glowing ashes of yesterday's fire. 
to keep looking back when I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it was a wild thing for us to do, but only by God's grace and the leading of his spirit. And one of the things the Lord said to me is that now you're going to be dealing with precious people whose memories are greater than their dreams. And I knew immediately that when your memories are greater than your dreams, you're looking back instead of going forward. So therefore, what you have as your marker is what God did with no expectation of what God's about to do. I don't get me wrong. There's phenomenal works in Tulsa, Oklahoma, phenomenal places and pastors. And I'm telling you, I'm not fit to grace their shoes. They're so blessed in what they do, but I got to do what I have to do. Whether people agree with that or not, you know what? The fruit begins to speak for itself. You know, you can tell people all day long what you're anointed to do, but one of these days you got to start producing some fruit of what it is and what you can do. Not because of who you're connected to, but because of who is in you. Christ wants to display his anointing and his fruit. He wants to display his plan and his purpose. He wants to display in your own right as a man and a woman of God. wants to display himself through you in such a beautiful demonstration of God. We spend so much time in our lives trying to be like someone else. Well, they got an anointing going, so I guess we got to act like him. I got to, got to put my hand like this and got to put my hand like this and, and speak nice. You got to do it like you do it. I said, you got to do it like you do it. Whether you're flipping burgers, working on the factory floor, out in the farm, whether you're sitting in the, you know, the executive office, whether you're at your practice, no matter what you do, you are anointed every step of the way. Whether I feel it or whether I don't, I am anointed. Whether I'm having a good day or a bad day, I am anointed. And you know, after all these years, I have saw God move in spite of me. I remember Brother Copeland Sam one time, he just was having the most hellish of a day. And he said to Gloria, he says, I can't preach tonight. I just can't go out there. I have done so much wrong. My attitude stinks. I can't go out there. I can't go out there and minister. Between God and Gloria, he went out and ministered, and it was one of the most powerful anointed services of his whole ministry. Why? Because it's not on you. He moves in spite of you. You see, because of the people and God's love for people, the anointing will always work. That anointing is not there to make me look good. It's for you. So that you can receive what heaven has for you. It's not about the anointed prophet of God. And yes, respect and honor. I'm honor to the backbone. And I will honor and give honor where honor is due. But it's what that anointing is for. It's not to make the man look good. It's to empower the man or the woman to do good. That's what Jesus did. He went about doing. Everybody said he went about doing. I got to finish. I want to get started. I feel like I have so much more to say. Andrew Murray said this. A true revival means nothing less than a revolution. Casting out the spirit of worldliness and selfishness and making God and its love triumph in the heart of every life. In 1 Corinthians 15, 34, I'm reading a Bible verse. Note for the podcast. It just simply says this, awake to righteousness. Come on, guys. There's a miracle in the inside of you. My brother, you want to come and play for me? I'll say, come and play for me, but you're not playing for me. 
plan for him. Kind of, kind of read to you what Jesus prayed for us. Are you all doing okay? It's mighty quiet in here tonight. I thought this was going to be a fiery service. Oh, we're not over yet. I'm just having a chat. I feel like I've chatted today and talked today. But you know what? These precious couple, they teach you so well. So well. God wants to just blow through this place. I pray that God begins to tip you out of your bed. I pray that 2 a.m. becomes a moment of the glory of you and God visiting together as your Father. Don't ever say that you don't have time. Ask God to give you time. Ask him to make time. Ask him to stop time if he has to so that you can spend that time with him. In John 17, 15 to 18, a simple prayer, but yet it's missed. He said, I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but thou should keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. You're sent. You're a sentence. You one who has been sent into every area that makes up this world and community that we live in. That job is not just something that you're making money with. It's a mission field. It's a place right there where you get a platform to preach your heart out. Pastor, I'm just looking for a break. I, I believe I'm called to preach. Then if I was to follow you around with my iPhone, would I see you preaching? All day, every day, wherever you are. When you go down the leisure center, go down the gym, are you standing preaching to everybody? Because let me tell you something. If you can't preach there, there's no point in looking to preach up here. If you can't sing out there, don't be thinking you can sing up here. You follow me around, I'll drop it. Jeremy will say at times, I'm singing around Walmart. And Jeremy will look at me and say, Dad, you know, just not so loud. She's 12. You know what 12 is like? She's kind of like all about it. And, you know, it's like people are looking at us. But I don't care who's looking. I don't care. Say that with me. I don't care who's looking. I don't care. I'm doing all the right things. You know, when our 26-year-old was about a year and a half, and I was in the police force anti-terrorism, and I had just been to court. <laughs> And uh, I hadn't done anything wrong. I was just, I was, I was on the good side. And Carmen was at the grocery store, and it was just a few hundred yards, you know, and I said, I'll meet you at Stewart's. I think it was Stewart's at the time, wasn't it? I'll meet you there. So I walk in, and Carmen's, you know, got the cart, and Josh is, you know, up there. And I was no sooner there until Josh flew back his head, turned purple, lips turned purple, like he wasn't breathing. I tell you, you want to see a woman of God jump on the devil? My wife grabbed that child out of that car and dropped to her knees in the middle of, of stewards and prayed furiously in the spirit. A bit of a cry began, came, came around us. But she didn't give one thought to everybody thinking, I shouldn't be praying in tongues. Now the scripture says it's a sign and a wonder. The lady from the butcher counter ran over and she says, I've called, I've called the paramedics. The Karen's like, by the time the paramedics came in, the child was perfect. They checked him over. I think we went to the hospital just to get him checked out. The child was perfect. 
I don't know what it is that happened to him, but I know that my wife, praying in tongues and by the spirit of faith, nothing was going to happen to him that day. In the name of Jesus. Shut it up. We have the victory. We have the authority. Say it again. We have the victory. We have the authority. Say it one more time. We have the victory. We have the authority. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen. For it's the power of God unto salvation. Shut it out. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of any of this. I preach this here and preach this down the street. I, I don't care. Amen. Why? Because God told Jeremiah, do not look at their faces. We just did meetings up in New Hampshire. And uh, of course, everybody knows I like to, I like to do stuff, you know. And, and you want to go on the lake, Pastor Paul? You know, the, the Mount Washington, you know, go from, you know, across the lake, Winnesopake or something like that. I said, yes, I'd like to do that. I'd love to do that. So here we are, about 22 of us. We're part of these meetings. And we're on this boat. Did I say something? No, no, no. We're, we're on this boat. And uh, it was great. The scenery was beautiful. And uh, we found out that there was a piano at the back of this boat. And how did we know? Because the captain said, if you feel like playing the piano, you're welcome to. So it was back in the ballroom at the back of the boat. It was a big old tin tub of a boat. And of course, you know, worship leader was with us. Pastor Crystal, and we thought this would be a great idea. Let's get some worship going on this boat. Now, we just paid our tickets like everybody else. Must have been a couple of hundred people on this boat. And we thought we'd just give them a worship service. So we go down into the piano room, and we start worshiping and singing and going from the English tongue into our heavenly language on a boat in the middle of Lake Winnipesaukee and I'm telling you I would look around momentarily and I would see people looking in window and wondering to themselves what country were we from <laughs> but you see you get to the stage where you don't care because what we were doing on that boat that day was bringing the presence of the Lord Bring in the presence. Come on, guys. You can bring the presence of God. I remember, I'm telling you, I was in Ops room one night. And, uh, you know, this is way back. And the guy that I worked with, you know, uh, my partner, this shift that I was, was on in the police. And, and he knew, he called me just, he called me just a crazy Christian. And, uh, but he, he so respected me. He says, you're not like the rest of the Christians that I know. He says, you're just, you're like crazy. You just, you know, you don't, you don't drink, don't smoke, don't, don't do nothing. <laughs> except go to church. And I'm telling you, I was on the phone in the ops room with someone. And I tell you, the spirit of God hit me. This is the station, the police station. And the Spirit of God hit me, and I lifted up out of my chair. And I momentarily forgot that I was on duty. <laughs> and I turned around, and, and I caught his eye looking through the window, and my eye hit his eye, and he went. It changes everything. Oswald Chambers says this, when I was born again, I received the very life of the risen Lord from Jesus himself. I'll finish with this and then we'll see what pastor wants to do. But I believe the spirit of God wants us to pray. And then it wants us then to move into anointing with oil. You might want to if you've any hot men you want to do before that or anything like that. But, but I want to read this to you in Acts 5, 12 to 16. This was the early church. We are the end times church. Now by the hands of the apostles, the special messengers, numerous and startling signs and wonders were being performed among the people. I back up numerous startling signs and wonders. 
I want you to shut it out. I'm ready for some startling signs and wonders. I'm not talking about you getting over a cold. I'm talking about startling signs and wonders. Something that you cannot talk away. Something that is a sign and a wonder, and it is startling. Everybody shout it out. It is startling. In the local church, in this church, in Anchor Faith Church. If they're talking down the street, my God, I mean, there were startling signs. It's like the book of Acts. I don't know what's happened to pastor. I mean, oh my God, I mean, he's just going about like a, the Tasmanian angel. Remember the Tasmanian devil? The Tasmanian angel, he's just on fire. And he's been on fire for the last six, last six months. And I'm telling you, it doesn't, I don't know what's going on. But we're seeing people come from here and there. There's people coming from over there. There's people, I'm telling you, they're coming down from Chicago because God is ministering to them that God is doing something in Valdosta, Georgia. How many people can expect that to happen? People coming from California into Valdosta because God is doing something. Amen. Just just an innocent, just, just, just an innocent couple who fell in love with Jesus Christ, who realized there's a call on their life. Somebody saw something good in them and said, come on, guys, let's do something. Let's plan a work. Let's do whatever we can do. Let's take over this. And then just step by step, getting everything lined up, lined up, lined up. Amen. A teaching gift. And, and God all the way is just working and working and working. And the dissatisfaction is growing and growing and growing that we got to have something happen here. Because let me tell you, if this is all it is until Jesus comes back. I am bored out of my trolley. Amen. Just to have church same, 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 same is a sentence ladies and gentlemen. Amen. That I am not willing to pay part of and I'm not willing to be part of. But now if you want to talk miracles and signs and wonders and you're wanting to talk the presence of God and you want to have a worship experience that is going to leave people changed. Then I'm in. And if you call that weird, then I'm happy to be weird. And I'd like you to be weird with me. I want to hear of your church. I want to hear of other people's churches burning with God. Not moment experiences. Yeah, we need them. But we need ongoing works of Christ. Jesus went about doing good. I'm ready for that. You overspilling in this place. You telling people, you got to come to church this weekend. I'm telling you, if you've never been to a service like this, you need to come to this service. Hallelujah. And by common consent, they all met together at the temple. Verse 13. And none of, none of those who were not of their number dared to join and associate them, but the people held them in high regard and praised and made much of them. In other words, they weren't ready for the persecution. More and more and more, there were being added to the Lord those who believed, those who acknowledged Jesus as their Savior and devoted themselves to him, joined and gathered with them crowds, both of men and women. I speak this over this work. Crowds of people that are devoted to Jesus Christ. They may come in one way, and I know it's important for us to get people saved. But people don't have to get saved at the altar of a church. The Spirit of God can come on people anywhere and draw them to the cross, to draw them to Christ. Come on, are you here tonight? People would think, why, why do you never give an altar call? I do give altar calls, but why do you never throw out the net at the end of every service? Because, and I said, because the Spirit didn't lead me to do that. And I said, I can't read one scripture in the Bible that even eludes for me to do that. It's practices that are learned. But why don't we at the end of our services throw out an opportunity for miracles and signs and wonders? Open the altars for people to be prayed for. What is it that you need? Well, I tell you, this just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Well, I tell you, we know what's going on. The Spirit of God. We create an experience. We create a moment. We create an opportunity to turn the world upside down. And I believe that God is amassing the people here to turn the world upside down. 
whether it's here, St. Augustine, whether it's Live Oak, whether it's where you are, whether it's Oklahoma, I believe. And I love your shirt, Lions, not sheep. Because I've been telling the church, you may be sheep in here, but when you go out of this church, you're a lion. You're not going out into the world to buy and to bleat. You're going out there to roar. The people know next door to you who lives next door to them. That's where it's at, ladies and gentlemen. Who would have known that COVID would have held the world to ransom? ransom would have shut our churches down. Made people afraid even to me. Killed one of the greatest travesties of that is that People couldn't get together anymore to pray. Now, you know, for somebody like me, that's a hard pill to swallow. Because there's something so powerful when somebody gets together with another person. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.